Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. Heinemann is a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann is dedicated to teachers. I'm Brett from Heinemann. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what's the best that could happen? By turning that old phrase on its head, author Debbie Miller says she's asked herself a more beautiful question. Inspired by journalist Warren Berger's book, A More Beautiful Question, Debbie explores how questions help us look beyond the limitations of what we've always done and discover powerful new opportunities for teaching and learning. In today's special Read Aloud podcast, Debbie takes us through the start of her journey, where her inspiration came from, and how she came to find her questions. Here now reading the introduction to What's the Best That Could Happen is Debbie Miller. Impressed by the innovations around him, journalist Warren Berger decided to investigate how designers, inventors, and engineers came up with ideas to solve problems. In his inquiry into how the world's leading innovators and creative minds approached challenges, he found no fixed answer for their reasons. But in searching for common denominators among these brilliant changemakers, he kept finding that many of them were exceptionally good at asking questions. For some of them, their greatest successes, their breakthrough inventions and solutions they'd found to tricky problems could be traced to a question or a series of questions they'd formulated and then answered. Berger laments the fact that for too many of us, our impulse is to keep plowing ahead, doing what we've always done, and rarely stepping back to ask questions or whether we're on the right path. On the big questions of finding meaning, fulfillment, and happiness, he says we're deluged with answers in the form of off-the-shelf advice, tips, and strategies from experts and gurus. It shouldn't be any wonder that any of those generic solutions don't quite get to our answers. We must formulate and work through the questions ourselves. same might be true for teachers. So many different voices, principles, coaches, programs, policies, standards, pepper us with answers that don't quite fit. And do we even know what the questions are or who is asking them? Sometimes we are the ones pushing ahead as if on autopilot with no time to step back and question and reflect on what we're doing, where we're going, what we believe, and who we are. It's as if our days are more about getting through rather than thinking through, checking off the boxes instead of being present, delighting in children, and working hard to meet individual needs in authentic ways. But what if we work together to change all that? What if we joined the ranks of the change makers and committed the time and effort it would take to formulate and work through our own beautiful questions? Could these actions change the narrative about how schools work? Could teachers be the ones to begin real conversations with each other and those in power? Yes, and if we do, I'm betting we'll have inspiring and influential stories to tell about who we are, what we can do, and most especially what children can do when we put them in the forefront of our minds and hearts. Berger defines a beautiful question this way, an ambitious yet actionable question that can begin to shift the way we perceive or think about something, and might even serve as a catalyst to bring about change. He asks us to think about this, Why are we doing this particular thing in this particular way? When I do demonstration teaching in schools across the country, teachers sometimes worry, but I can't do it this way. When I teach my mini lessons, I have to follow these four steps in order. I need to follow the rules for workshop. I don't think what you're showing us is allowed. I've been told I have to teach content this way, so I really can't do that. Of course, it would be a different story if they weren't interested in and intrigued about what they'd seen and heard, if they didn't believe it would help children become better readers. But they say they can't, after they wish, 
they could. Why do so many of us feel like we can't try new things or do things differently from how we've been told? And what must that feel like when walking into school each day? Testing, mandates, reading series adoptions, all these add to the intense pressure we can feel. Compliance at least puts us in charge of something, especially when we're under pressure and feel in charge of little else. But what does that mean for children's learning, I wonder? Does being under pressure and feeling restricted cause us to put children under pressure and restrict them too? We've all had times in our lives when we've been stuck. We've gone through the motions of teaching without being present in our bodies, hearts, and minds. When this happens, the good emotions feel a little further away and the bad ones a little closer. And then, hopefully something snaps us out of it. We get inspired or we get fed up enough to change. That all begins with paying attention when things don't feel right. Noticing when we feel like we don't have a choice or voice can allow us to recognize where and how we do. And it can start by reframing what we think of as a given as a question instead. Does the mini lesson really have to follow four steps? Are there rules to workshop? Does teaching this content mean I can't do that? Simply asking the question gives us some of our power back and pursuing the answer makes us more powerful still. When we examine our goals, we'll soon find that each of these questions can be answered with no. We can say no to the too rigid, limiting expectations for our teaching, and we can say yes to questions that invite us to reflect, create, and be present as the creative, brilliant educators we can be. If the mini lesson doesn't have to follow four steps, what might I do to better serve children's learning? If there are fewer rules to workshop than I thought, how might I make my workshop more focused on the children in my classroom and less on the rules? How can I fulfill my obligation to teach this content in a way that engages and expands what's possible for children? Notice that these questions focus on children and our behaviors rather than on strict definitions of established teaching structures. No structure, no standard, no unit, no expectation matters until we take it off the paper and bring it to life for children and ourselves. Teaching is about taking responsibility, not about following orders. Teaching is about creativity, not about limiting possibilities because we have to stick to someone else's script. Teaching is about relationships with children, not about rigid structures. Literacy researcher Ann Haas Dyson reminds us what children need from us. A child must have some version of, yes, I imagine I can do this, and the teacher must view the present child as capable and on that basis imagine new possibilities. For a child to imagine he can do something, he needs time to explore, discover, and reflect on who he is as a learner, what he needs and why. And he needs someone with a broader sense of the present moment, someone who understands that what he is doing is significant because it is part of the larger picture. Most children can't do this without us. That's why teachers must also have some version of, yes, I imagine we can do this. Before we can support and encourage children to find their way, we have to believe that we're up to finding our way too. Before we can trust children to make decisions about what they need and when they need it, we need to know how it feels to make decisions that matter to us and the children we teach. And before we can imagine new possibilities for children, we have to imagine new possibilities for ourselves. We have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Sometimes it's the small things that can liberate us and instill the early sparks of agency, ownership, and independence. Even something as mundane as how we use sticky notes helps us be clear about what our mandates or restrictions actually are. Can we begin to change the narrative from lamenting what we can't do and don't do to imagining all the extraordinary things teachers and the children they teach can and will do? 
That's my goal. No teacher wants to be a fake teacher, and no child delights in learning from a script. Teachers dream of being real teachers, teachers who read, write, think, collaborate, get smarter, and plan for real children who walk through their doors every day. When teachers are trusted, valued, and supported, children are too. All of us, teachers and children alike, hunger to figure things out, forge new paths, create, question, and learn. We all have difficult moments in our teaching, and without a question to drive us forward, we can get stuck. But that difficult moment might be the question we need to ask ourselves. Questions can bring a positive attention, creating a presence in the moment. When I ask children, are you the kind of kid who... I'm inviting them to imagine a new possibility for themselves, one in which they have more power than they did before. I want those new possibilities for teachers too. Are you the kind of teacher who is ready to try something new, something that will make your students stronger, more joyful readers, and bring you greater joy in your work? I think you are. I commit to trying something new because it's fun to learn more about something we're unsure about. It motivates us and is part of being a professional. I do it for children, of course, but I also do it for myself. That's what makes us joyful. It's something we do for ourselves and for children. When we do, we're present in our teaching. We're flesh and blood, imperfect human beings who want to grow and learn alongside our children. We're strong enough to set aside judgment and discomfort and choose to focus on how to make things better. Each day we come to school, we don't only ask our students, what did you learn about yourself as a reader today? We also ask ourselves, what did I learn about myself as a teacher and my children as readers that I didn't know before? What are my goals for myself tomorrow based on what I learned today? These are the essential, beautiful questions that drive our teaching and our students' learning forward. To deny that, distance us from the joy in our professional lives. questions leads to opportunities. It's about growth, openness, and a willingness to change, which top-down models don't allow. It's a way for us to focus our thinking and be present in the lives we've chosen to live. Asking the question is the essential behavior of teaching. It's not a perfect call and response, but a messy business of wondering, stumbling, and figuring things out. It requires bravery and commitment, but that's what teaching is. It's a joyful, creative, purposeful profession. If you've lost even some of your passion for teaching, I would love to give it back to you. So in this book, we'll talk about creating beautiful questions about the teaching of reading. To help you take on the process of asking beautiful questions, I'll share how I got to some beautiful questions about teaching reading and what I did with them as I work with teachers in classrooms across the country. These five questions should not limit your personal inquiry in any way. The questions aren't final, they're more beautiful. As Berger says, always in a stage of revision, like our teaching and children's learning. I hope these questions serve as examples for asking your own beautiful questions about the teaching of reading. Yes, each chapter will share practical insights and deeper understandings that I hope will benefit you and your children. But the larger purpose is to show you the process of asking questions. We, other teachers and I, arrived at these questions because something didn't feel right or we experienced joy at seeing children do something unexpected and wanted to understand why and how it happened. Then we grappled with some messiness. What were we going to do with these questions? We found answers that inspired something new and worthy in our teaching, but even better, we found ourselves changed by the asking of questions. I want that for you too. is about owning our teaching and making decisions based on who we are and what's best for the children in our classroom today. That all sounds ambitious and brave, 
and the work is, teaching is, but it happens in so many small and simple ways. My wish is for you to think about what you do and ask your own beautiful questions so that you and your children can thrive and view yourselves and each other as valuable, creative, and contributing humans who own your teaching and learning. Be open and receptive to possibilities. Think, what if we did it this way? Our thanks to Debbie Miller for her time today. You can download the text of this reading from What's the Best That Could Happen on Heinemann.com. For a link to that, Debbie Miller's Facebook group for the book, and to follow Debbie on Twitter, check out blog.heinemann.com for all this and more. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.